0: what's up you weirdos welcome to another strange podcast i'm your host steven and this is free for all number two um so a little personal news an uncle of mine passed away from the coronavirus he was 89 years old so when he was admitted into the icu we kind of knew immediately that It was going to be the end, you know, sorry to say, but I wasn't close to him at all. But he's the brother to the uncle that I'm very close to, who is the father figure in my life growing up. And uh, it's hard on him. So seeing the sadness and hearing it in his voice, it kind of gets to me. And uh, with this death, it finally makes the coronavirus a personal thing. Uh, up until this point, it's been something that I've witnessed happening to other people and through our screens. It's, we feel like this thing is further away from our own little worlds than it actually is. So I just wanted to say, stay safe, stay healthy. And if you're in the position to help out those who are vulnerable, then help them as best you can. But always keep your safety in mind as well. So uh, Yeah, that's that's a that's a great way to start an episode, right? Right at the bottom where spirits are low and and now the the whole plan is to just kind of try to climb climb the mood ladder to to the very top to try to make us all happy, and we will. <laughs> I hope. Oh god, why? So uh <laughs> let's get this show on the road. Um Alright, so I wanted to share the story that my buddy Donnie found on Reddit. Uh he retold it to me as best as he could remember, but uh he decided to hunt it down on Reddit. Uh the original post was deleted, but he found it, and I wanna make sure that his searching doesn't go unappreciated. So I'm gonna read the post to you now. Uh, The original post was asking if anybody had some strange stories that may involve aliens or glitches in the Matrix. So, here's a response that Donnie found that interested the fuck out of me. So, it's kind of lengthy, but bear with me. I was a police and fire dispatcher, a 911 operator, at the local PSAPs in my state. We dispatched police, fire, and EMS for about six agencies total. About six miles east of our location, inside the main agency that we dispatch for, is an airport. And about 20 20 miles southeast is an Air Force base. It's one of the larger ones in the country and has been known for some of those strange conspiracy theories and such. Our dispatch center is also the coordinator for the NCRZ or the Northern County Rescue Zone, which is responsible for any serious rescue or mass casualty emergencies in the northern half of the county. An NCRZ response has never been launched while I've been working there, but I guess once there was a pretty serious bridge collapse that required it. It's a load of work to put up with. It involves nearly all the fire and rescue agencies in the northern part of the county, and we're responsible for the incident command, and monitoring communications on our channels. I don't really think much about what happened anymore, but I have told a few friends. But it is a good story over a beer and campfire. I figure maybe more people would like to hear it. I was just moved to third shift and there have been and have been working it for maybe three weeks. I was also 19 at the time. At 3 a.m., our second dispatcher leaves and we run with one person on one console. So I got pretty used to working alone. Sure, normally it was quiet, but it wasn't bad at all. I could study, do my homework, have some time to myself, read. I was starting to like it. Plus I'm sort of a night owl and there would be occasion occasional domestics, some bad injury, accidents along the interstate, robberies, and things like that, but mostly it was quiet. It was around 3.30 and 4 o'clock in the morning, so the other dispatcher just left. I was studying for one of my psychology classes when a call came in on the non-emergency line. I answered like normal. Police and fire dispatch. A lady talked. Hey, it's Norwich Airport. We got a call from the base in reference to a plane crash that occurred somewhere in the area. Uh, they weren't able to provide any further details, but I just wanted to let you know we could end up getting dragged into this. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. No further information at all? Where, where it crashed, or what kind of plane it was? Oh, let me change voices here. Um, nope. That's all the Air Force told me. They told me to contact you as well. They'd get back to us if they had any other information or needed us. All right, then, thanks. We said bye and hung up. I was beginning to think that this could be this could very well turn out to be a not so normal shift. I thought it was kind of strange that the base didn't directly call us individually though. I decided to go ahead and give station 77 and 76 a call to let them know about the situation in case they were they were needed or to go out on something. I thought I was feeling anxious sitting there thinking I would have to dispatch on a plane crash. I was trying to imagine what it would be like for the crews themselves, the men and women having to gear up and grab their engines, ladders, and medics to respond to a plane crash. So I just sort of waited. It wasn't long, a little under 10 minutes, and the phone rang again. Police and fire dispatch. Hey, it's Norwich Airport. It was was the same lady. The base did say that they confirmed down commercial craft. They said it was south of the dam on US-40. They should be giving you a call shortly. Okay, thanks. Can you give me your name, by the way? Dispatcher Boyer here at Norwich. Okay, thanks. Bye. Things just felt really strange, and I had a weird feeling about all of this, but she wasn't lying. A few minutes later, I get a call from the Air Force Dispatch. Please and fire, dispatch. It was a man this time. It's Blank Air Force Base. I'm assuming Norwich already talked to you, but we do have a down aircraft south of US 40 on the woods, in the woods, and would need your help. Okay, uh, do you have a better location than just that? What kind of aircraft? What are you looking for? What do you need from me? Uh, it's just a few miles south of US 40. It's military aircraft, and was occupied by over two dozen. We're actually looking for an NCRZ response. Okay. That's clear. Uh, yeah, I can do that if you need. I have to call the fire chief and get approval first. I'll call you back as soon as I can. Okay, great. Thanks. It was. I was pretty sure Norwich told me it was a commercial aircraft. I even replayed the call, and sure enough, they said it was a commercial plane crash, not a military one. Weird. I decided not to worry about it too much. I called the chief and assistant chief head of NCRZ, And they gave me approval to initiate a response. Before launching the response and putting things in motion, the chief wanted me to check one last time with the Air Force Base to get any other details that I might need. I really couldn't believe it. I was dispatching on a plane crash. I was nervous because I knew I'd have my hands full for the rest of the shift. And things like routine medic calls or suspicious person complaints would become a major pain. But I was excited. It was something I know I probably would never do again. Word got around, and by this time I had practically five entire fire stations waiting to go out on this airplane crash. I went ahead and gave the base a call. The same man answered Uh, Blank Air Force Base. Hey, it's Blank Dispatch. Our supervisors confirmed NCRZ. Any other details on the crash before I send it out? What crash? It was an almost immediate response. Oh, I should have said that faster. I'm sorry. I awkwardly paused. Uh, The plane crash? What plane crash? The plane crash south of 40? I literally just talked to you like six minutes ago. Sorry, but what plane crash are you talking about? I'm confused here. The plane crash south of US-40. You wanted me to launch an NCRZ response. We don't have any plane crashes. I'm sorry, but I don't know what to tell you. Can I speak to a supervisor? I was put on hold for maybe a minute when someone finally picked up. It was a different man and I explained myself. However, I got the same answer. Uh, What plane crash? We don't have any reports of a plane crash in the area. By now I was frustrated thinking I was fooled or going crazy. I said, thanks, bye, and hung up. I also decided to give Norwich a call I could tell it was Dispatcher Boyle, the same lady I talked to when all this began. Dispatch, she answered. Hey, it's blank. Uh, I got done talking to the base and they're telling me that apparently there isn't a plane crash now. Do you know what's going on? She paused and her tone changed. Um, what plane crash? She answered like a robot. I wanted to explode. At this point, I pretty much yelled at her through the phone. You called me probably about half hour ago and you told me the plane crash that went down in the area and blank Air Force Base wants us to respond. They asked me to start NCRZ and I woke people up at four in the morning for this. I have crews awake and sitting at multiple stations ready to be dispatched to a plane crash. I talked to you twice on the phone before. Are you serious right now? Sir, I don't really understand. What plane crash are you talking about? I'm not familiar with any plane crash and I don't think I can help you. I hung up. I was frustrated and tired. I immediately told the chief and had asked to have the recording had I had asked to have the recordings marked so there could be so they could be saved longer because I was not going to be responsible for making a big mistake, not one involving a fucking plane crash at least. The, chiefs and, the chief and supervisors were just as confused as I was, and would end up getting the same answers from the base and the airport. At first I got the impression that maybe they were joking with me, but I honestly just don't see that happening. Not from an Air Force base that belongs to the United States Air Force. I checked names and phone numbers and they were all authentic and belonged to who they were supposed to. I just have a really weird feeling in my gut that something strange happened that night. Someone in the military obviously told Norwich to keep their mouths shut. They managed to do it pretty quickly too. I was relieved to not have to go through the lengthy process of NCRZ and managing a rescue response that huge. It was a handful. The rest of the shift was uneventful. For the next few weeks, I talked to my friends about it, and I couldn't get it out of my head. That's the end. End of that story. Now, I read through this. The first, uh, first thing that I came that came to mind was perhaps maybe it was a uh, phantom caller. Um, that happens every once in a while, but it's usually when. Someone loses a member of the family and they, um, they, they kind of, they miss a call or they receive a voice message from that person just moments after they died. Uh, those are some pretty interesting stories and I actually like to hear them, but after reading this over, uh, I realized that this was most likely a government cover up. And if it is, the amount of power that a government entity has to sway the decision-making of a corporation into just totally forgetting about what just happened is mind-boggling. It, it'd be interesting to know that, I mean, to, to know what happened there, but you'd most likely have to iron out the finer details of where exactly this took place and, and fucking when, But uh, I went looking through the comment thread and this story uh, a few people uh, figured out that it was near Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Now, um, uh, if you're not familiar with Wright-Patterson AFB, uh, legends have it that they have an underground hangar known as Hangar 18 that houses and dismantles alien spacecraft that has crash-landed on Earth. And it's more of an underground version of area 51 if you want to call it that uh, underground <laughs> uh, yeah it's one of those places that you hear a lot of chatter surrounding but the hype isn't there to really warrant a uh, a raid <laughs> like like they did on area 51. whatever happened with that what the raid of area 51 was one of those it was it was a meme. To, to end all conspiracy memes everybody got so hyped about it and out of the god millions of people that said that they were going to attend only like what uh, was it 200? <laughs> ended up going? if that and it was kind of like a very a very disorganized music festival which honestly would be pretty fucking cool if that would be a yearly thing you know kind of kind of have your own grassroots music festival out in the out in the desert near Area 51 just fucking pissing off all of the Area 51 security cuz they got guys that are 5 miles out okay so if you're not familiar with the layout of Area 51 you got I, I say it like I, I have fucking maps. I don't. But th- the way that it's been, it's, it's universally accepted. The, the layout of Area 51 is you have the main base miles behind the fence that you actually get stopped at if you were to wander around the, the desert. And just, you, you have these. You have these sort of like uh, little, little mini huts that house government contractors that are that are responsible for keeping security tight around the entire perimeter. Sometimes you'll have you'll have civilians that just kind of go out there in the middle of the night. I can assume is the most uh, terrifying because you, you gotta take these you gotta take these roads that they're dirt. It's all, it's just dirt road all the way up, all the way around and you, there have been the, I I love hearing stories about people who actually end up going but they don't get close enough to where they're actually stopped and questioned. They, they kind of just, they kind of just hover around the perimeter and you're 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 looking out at these at, at this at this chain link fence and behind it you have these hills. and on top of these hills are normally these white jeeps that you 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 know it it has to be an eerie feeling when when you roll up and you look at these these jeeps you know that there's somebody in there watching you watch them and 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 homeboy in the Jeep is probably just saying, oh come on, come a little bit closer i I need something to do. I've been looking through these binoculars just waiting for somebody to come up and sometimes they do. Some people have have just ventured a little too far. oddly enough, it's a it's a fun place to sort of take your take your quads out to go ride trails, and if you're not too familiar with the area, you're gonna run accidentally into these these people or or the, these agents that are just roaming around, also on their quads or their jeeps, and they'll stop you and just be like, "Hey, listen, you gotta get the hell out of here." Um, don't come any closer. You're going to end up... Uh... Gone. And sometimes... People do end up gone. Uh, I don't know where they go. I want to find out. But... That was, a uh, That... What? Wh- okay. Uh, that was a tangent I didn't mean to go on. Um, so... Uh... What was I talking about? Wright Patterson? Okay, Wright Patterson. Uh... Um, last year... A book was published t- titled um, "Strange Craft: The True Story of an Air Force Intelligence Officer's Life with UFOs." That is a lengthy title, but uh, retired Air Force Major George Filer III tells author John Al John Al Guerra that on a day in January nineteen seventy eight, a four foot creature, gray and brown in color, with a large head long arms and a thin body was shot and killed at Fort Dix in New Jersey and the military first spotted the alien after observing an oval-shaped blue-green craft hovering over a vehicle. The supposed alien died of a gun sh- of gunshot wounds on the Air Force side of what is now Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst. After the alien was shot and killed, a cleanup crew from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base was flown in to retrieve the body. And I don't fucking doubt it. You have all of these government spooks just waiting for shit like this to go down so they can X-Files their way into your home and snoop around, and the next thing you know, your cat has a third eye because it rubbed up on some spooked black slacks and got alien goo all over its forehead. I've seen it. Don't... I've seen X-Files. They have talking pugs. It's there. This is real. But... Uh... Oh, Jesus. So... This actually reminds me of a strange event. Wow, this is another deep memory... Doing this podcast is cool because I I remember shit from back when I was a a little, little kid. Uh. Alright. Let's remember this. So. I was a little kid. I was tiny. I was maybe about six years old when this happened. And I was playing outside in the front yard with my Hot Wheels when these two six foot something guys in black suits and black sunglasses like like Will Smith and uh and Tommy Lee Jones and in, in Men in Black. And they just they, they they stood over me and they said, Where are your parents? Uh and it if you're raised right, you know that when a stranger comes and questions you on the whereabouts of any supervising adults, you just you, you say with your little kid confidence uh, they aren't here which is what I said and they just looked at each other and fucking walked away that's it no, oh here's our card or, well when will they be home, just silence that's weird that's an that's an old memory. You know, looking back, I'm surprised that I wasn't taken and thrown into a white van. I guess I'm not as cute as I was told that I was. But... Oh, man, my feelings are hurt now. <laughs> uh, I'm not cute enough to be abducted by the government. Oh, man. Uh, uh, anyway, let's... uh, Let's keep this unintended theme going. Uh, I searched for this and I I wanted to share it with you. This is a story. um, It's a very short story that I heard when I was in middle school. And it was read by my orchestra teacher, Mr. Smith, during class. And it's this memory alone is very vivid. Um, I believe it to be the moment that I became obsessed with the concept of space and intergalactic travel. So, Mr. Smith, if you're out there, thank you for everything you taught me. And I hope you're out there doing those Civil War reenactments that you enjoyed doing so much. So, here it is. This is, uh, this is Third from the Sun. It was written by Richard Matheson, and first appeared in Galaxy Science Fiction in October of 1950. Uh, Galaxy Science Fiction—it uh, was a magazine, so if if you're into it, go look at it there. You can find back catalogs on the internet. Shit's pretty fucking dope if you're really into um, shows like The Outer Limits or um, kind of X Files or anything. Uh, strange they're they're really cool so here is third from the sun <sighs> all right his eyes were open several seconds before his alarm was supposed to go off beside him his wife touched his arm he knew what she was going to say are we still going she asked yes he said and he felt her fingers grip his arm even more tightly You're certain we can get on the spaceship without anybody noticing, she asked. They'll think it's just another test flight. Nobody will be checking. I'm afraid, she said. So am I, he replied. But we'll be safe. You're sure we don't need anything else with us, she asked. No, I put all the supplies we'll need on the spaceship. Anyway, we can't carry anything past the guard. He has to think that you and the children are just coming to see me take off well, won't the guard think it's funny that the family next door is coming to see you off too? We'll just have to take that chance, she replied. He replied. In the next room, he heard the children's voices. At least they don't know what's happening. They think they're going to take me down to the field. They don't know they're never coming back. It seemed so difficult, but there was no other way in a few years there would be another terrible war and the entire planet would be destroyed if they escaped now they could all begin all over again on a new planet he sighed and went down the ramp to join his family for breakfast pretty soon dad the son asked yes he answered very soon i just shattered the floor his wife bent down to pick it up what's the matter asked her daughter "'Nothing, dear,' she said. "'Drink your juice. Our friends will be here soon.' Outside, a bell sounded, and he saw the other family waiting for them by the ground car. He turned to his wife. "'Should we lock the house?' "'Does it matter?' she replied, turning away. The two families rode in silence through the deserted streets. At the entrance to the field, he warned, "'Remember.' Not a single word from any of you. The guard recognized him as the chief test pilot of the new spaceship. Uh, my family and some friends are coming down to watch me take off, he told the guard. That's fine, the guard replied and waved them through. As they hurried to the ship, she stopped, he stopped for a moment to look back. Then he leaned down and pick up picked up some dirt. Goodbye, he whispered putting it in his pocket. The elevator rose and then came to a stop. The doors opened and they all scrambled into the spaceship. The children gasped when they saw how high they were. Shouldn't we tell them now? asked his wife. Shouldn't we let them know it's their last look? Yes, he said. Go ahead and tell them. As he touched a switch, deep in the spaceship, a spark ignited the rockets. He reached his trembling hand toward the control button and saw that they were all staring at him. He pressed it. The ship quivered for a second and then felt it rush up into the air faster and faster. He watched the children turn to the windows. Goodbye, they said. Goodbye. He sank down, weary at the, wearily at the controls. You know where we're headed, his friend asked him. He leaned over the chart and pointed to a planet far away, in another part of the space. Yes, he said, that small one over there, the one near that moon. This one, third from the sun. That's right third from the sun. I call it Earth. God damn, I love that story. I remember I remember hearing that for the first time, and my eyes were closed, and I was imagining everything as I believed it to be, right? Just normal humans, an astronaut and his family looking for shelter after war, or before war begins, and that twist at the end just blew my mind. and <sighs> Oh man. Hopefully it had the same effect on you. It's short, but well-written. And I'm sorry that my, my poor reading skills can't do it justice, but I, that, that's one of my favorite short stories. And that is a, it's also part of a collection of, of um, science fiction Space, short stories that that have all of these sort of just just collections from 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 reader submitted articles throughout the years to to uh, um, Galaxy Magazine, and I'm trying to get a hold of it. It's kind of hard to find, but I'll find it. I know I will. But yeah, that's all I got for today, guys. Um, quick disclaimer the next researched episode will be late Uh, my college class is online now and I am not the best online student at all Uh, without a traditional classroom setting I am fucking lost but it's the last class I need to graduate so I gotta get my shit together and I hope you understand Uh, Anyway, thanks for listening. Have a good one. And uh, look towards the sky every once in a while. You might see something. All right. Bye.